This is episode 24 of One Page at a Time, Healthy Bodies, Healthy Books with Colleen Graham. In this discussion, we hear from pediatric nurse Colleen Graham, who tells us a little bit about her hospital unit and how they use books there for comforting families and for education. We also learn about how coloring books and picture books can help guide conversations about our bodies and health to help teach our children and ourselves these sometimes difficult topics and prepare our kids for healthcare visits. We hear some great book recommendations and a bit about how to know what topics your child is ready to talk about. This is Jill in Virginia and Amanda in Dubai. We are here to help you read more often. Read at home. Read at school. Read with your kids. Read with your spouse. Read aloud. Read faster. Just read. We dig through the data, gather the anecdotes, and chat with the experts who can tell you why and how you should make books a bigger part of your life. We're on this journey along with you, bringing people and reading together one page at a time. If you are someone concerned about teaching the kids in your life how to keep themselves healthy, then our guest today is going to have some great stuff for you. She is a pediatric nurse and has been working on the infant medical surgical unit of a major children's hospital for the past 11 years. When not giving her all to the children in her care as a nurse, she spends her time with her husband, running their three children around to music, gymnastics, or karate classes, as well as teaching preschool and the occasional yoga class. With all that going on, I am so grateful she has made the time to talk with us, so we want to give a wonderfully warm welcome to Colleen Graham. Hello, thanks for having me today. And seriously, how did you find time to come and join us? today. That is insane, everything that you are into. Oh, thank you. I think this is just something I get to do for myself. I love teaching and talking about kids' health, health for other people, and teaching about health in general is a passion of mine, so it's something I was excited to have time for. Well, I'm glad that you're excited. We are super excited as well. Could you start off and just kind of tell us a little bit about your job with the hospital and what you do with your unit there? Sure. So I am a registered nurse, and I've been working on this same unit, Infant Medical Surgical. It takes in the age population from about zero to three or four years old. We actually just started taking a lot older kids. I haven't had too many of them recently. It's kind of like a step-down NICU, I explained to some people. So that type of acute care. And we see medical issues like RSV, pneumonia, bronchiolitis, uh, liver and kidney issues, some short-term stuff, a lot of short-term stays, and some long-term things. Kids needing liver transplant, kidney transplant, who have had heart transplant and then surgical issues. We see a lot of head surgeries and mouth surgeries, cleft palate, and then different GI surgeries on your gastrointestinal tract. Sometimes I forget which words are hospital words and which words are normal people words. So I never know which words to use for things. Which is kind of great because you can kind of give us that perspective. So you have that mindset as a nurse in the hospital and and this very professional setting, but then you also have your three kids. You have all this knowledge and experience from working as a nurse that you I'm assuming you want to transfer and teach your children about. As that nurse and mom, what are some of the things that you've prioritized when you've been teaching your kids about staying healthy? Yeah, I love teaching my kids. I've learned a lot just from watching moms interact with their babies on the hospital units and seeing how their kids react to things. One of the things most important to me is just my personal spiritual beliefs that our bodies are a gift from a God that loves us. And so it's something worth learning about and taking time to take care of. So our 
bodies are special and important and because they are, that it's worth learning about how we can best take care of them. I also love the correct names of body parts. I want my kids to know what their different body parts are inside and outside and their correct names for them. And that can be helpful. It's, it's not perfect. It doesn't always have to be the textbook college anatomy class level, but at least knowing what things are called so they can understand lots of basic things, even from learning about colds and flu, going on to sexual education in high school, to knowing what they're named properly helps you to understand how they work in the future. And then just the basics of nutrition and exercise. My kids are a young age still, and to knowing the food we eat affects us and exercising. I try not to use the words like diet and exercise really, but just we healthy eating and healthy playing outside and just make it a part of our normal lives that we play and we eat and we have fun and we eat from different food groups and it's okay. There's there's not really a bad food or bad time, but learning what the different things are and how they affect our bodies. That is really interesting. And I've definitely heard about using correct names for body parts when it comes to teaching your kids like sexual education kind of things. But I love your point about other parts of your body and just in general health and teaching them and especially, you know, going to the doctor and talking to the doctor about these different things, knowing those correct terms in other areas as well it would be very helpful. I hadn't honestly had not put that together or thought of that as I So I know that you love books because I know you yeah. and you wouldn't be here talking to us if you didn't because we are a book loving podcast. We love the idea of using books to teach kids about these kinds of things and you've done that a lot. So can you share a little bit about how you have used books to teach these different things that you were just talking about? Yes, I didn't think about it when I first started being a nurse, but once I became a mom and my kids got older and I wanted to teach them these important things about their bodies that I've learned, I've been started to look for some books that have some good information about them. I have found a few that we love. I found that books are really good that give us the, the vocabulary that adults need to talk about body parts and to explain complicated body systems, to find kids books and picture books. I think our favorite one is the Lift the Flat book that three and five-year-olds can understand that just gives a great description of how immunizations and medication work. So to be able to take these complicated subjects and dumb it down to a really low level. And the kids' picture books do such a great job at that, that the children are able to understand what's going on and they can even explain it to other people. I love that. And I know you've used it with your own kids, but I was kind of curious. I don't know if we talked about this before, but have you seen books being used in the hospital setting with the kids, kind of maybe to explain what's happening to them or kind of help them be more comfortable with the situation, something like that? Sort of. I kind of have two answers, two trains of thought. First, I work with babies, really young ones and toddlers. We haven't been able to use books to tell them specifically what's going on with their bodies. I have seen books at a conference, a couple of conferences I went to that were advertising different feeding tubes and some new feeding materials. And as part of their feeding tube company, they had a couple different picture books, coloring books, type books that showed a girl with a feeding tube and how normal it was and that was her life and just made a very positive, wonderful thing. So I thought, what a great idea for any, it was a little bit older kid, more of an older school school-aged kid, if they are needing a feeding tube or some sort of medical equipment to have a book to go along with that to explain, hey, this is normal. Lots of other kids have it. Here's how it works. Here's how to talk about it with other kids. Here's how to tell your friends what this type of tube is. So I've seen that advertised, but I haven't used it as much with our babies on my unit. The one thing we do, though, I think this ties into books really well. We have a shelf of toys, different baby toys divided by developmental age and different things that are used for any patients. So we can go into our storage room and take out toys. They even have 
like mobiles and bumbles and everything. And then they have a whole row of books as well. A lot of picture books and a lot of books with familiar characters in it. So maybe books that these babies or families have at home sometimes. We even have books in different languages for some of the different populations coming to the hospital. And I find that kind of helps normalize the hospital experience when the parents see a book that they're familiar with or if I and I just bring them in like what can I do to help your stay? Do you want some toys or some books? And so we bring in some toys for them. A lot of times they are contagious or have something infectious and are confined to their room but we can bring in the toys and books and clean them afterwards. And the parents are happy to see a book that they are familiar with and they are happy to read to their child and it kind of makes a scary hospital experience something a little less scary. Something that feels a little bit more normal to just be reading books to your baby like they do at home every day even if they're sitting in a hospital chair with tubes and beeps going on all around them. That makes a lot of sense. We've talked a lot about the bonding and the emotional experience of reading with your kids so I can see that calming effect and that bond happening and having a huge help to those feelings that I'm sure those parents are having in the hospital. I know that I would definitely definitely feel that same way as well so I am so glad that you guys have those books for them to use and to to have that experience with them. And I also love you mentioned coloring books when you were talking about the feeding too but that's something we haven't really gotten into on the podcast yet and now I'm kind of like I want to look into a little bit kind of the coloring book because I know a lot of the coloring books that my kids have are kind of this combination storybook coloring book kind of combo and to, to have that option as well with it as a way to teach or to help your kids go through those experiences I love that idea yeah I think coloring books can be great especially when you're learning about the body my boys love to draw the blood vessels inside a empty body silhouette frame and to color that in so to coloring inside the different things and then also just the process I'm sure you guys have talked about of reading and with your drawing or coloring if you're moving your hands at the same time it helps the lessons and whatever you're trying to teach become more ingrained and learned more in your brain as you're using different senses definitely and I'm definitely going to look into that in our discussions that we had kind of leading up to this interview, you mentioned at one point that kids don't need to be fearful about getting sick or doctor visits. And I love that. I think of all the things we talked about leading up to this, that's the one I love the most because it is so often a fearful thing for kids and a lot of times for parents as well. And so I love that coming from you who's worked so long with kids in a place that has tons of potential for them to be scared. I would love if you could talk to us a little bit about how we talk to our kids about these things without scaring them. Sure. Yeah. I have learned a lot about this from watching, really, my 11 years of watching different parents interact with their kids in the hospital. And I think the common theme I've mostly taken away is that the parent's attitude really has a lot to do with how the kid perceive different healthcare professionals. So I feel if you as an adult, you don't want your kids to be fearful, you can take a look at how you were acting and how your mindset, maybe you have some deep down fears or anxiety, even about going to the doctor or to the dentist or taking medication, or if you're getting sick at home, or if other people are sick in your family or friends, do you get scared of it? Do you back away from it? Do you treat them like they have dreaded diseases? Or do we have empathy and talk about healthcare professionals being people who are here to help us and the different treatments available for us? also find that the kids really do well with preparation. So before any dentist visit or doctor visit, or there's different type of speech therapies, whatever your kids are going to, if caregivers can take the time to explain 
explain exactly what's going to happen to the best of your knowledge and ask if the child has any questions. I think this can be hard because as adults, we don't always know what's going to happen and we don't know, maybe we don't know what to expect, but there are different ways to help educate and influence ourselves. For example, I tell my older boys about getting a flu shot before we even go to the doctors. We discuss what it might feel like, how long it will probably take, and how important it is to help keep our baby sister healthy. I know some parents don't like to tell their kids about that they're getting a flu shot until the doctor comes in with it. And from my experience, that creates an additional anxiety and some added stress to the children. I feel like they um, want to know and that added knowledge can help them prepare and be calm and comfortable. Every kid is different, but in general, most kids like to have as much information as they can about what's going on and what's going to happen to them. And a third thing I like to use to help kids not be fearful of these medical situations is using books, of course. I think our most popular and favorite ones have been books with familiar characters like Sesame Street characters, Berenstein Bears, or Daniel Tiger. Mostly we've gotten these books just out of the library and they have books because these are popular characters and popular series about these characters going to the doctor for a checkup or going to the dentist for the first time or getting new things or having new experiences visiting a hospital and they make these experiences a little bit more normalized and the character has questions about it and it can be something that the child relates with as it's a character they're familiar with and they can learn to not be as scared of it. I love all of that. I have a particularly fearful child. My oldest is has never handled doctor or dentist visit well at all and I have tried my best to prepare him but listening to you talk I can see where there's potential for more and how I can do better as his mom to get him ready for it. But one thing that's been kind of interesting, I've used books a lot. We read a lot of books about what they're going to do, but he is very exact. He's very exact. I'll just stick with that. And he, so it bothers him when things aren't exactly the way that they are in the book. So we read a book, you know, about the Berenstain Bears going to the dentist and our dentist does not do things exactly the way the Berenstain Bears do. And so I also have to add to our conversation, how is it going to be different as well as how is it going to be the same? And so like you were saying with each kid, you're going, you get to know your own kids and you figure out the books are the tools. They aren't going to solve the problem completely, but they're a tool to help start this conversation and hopefully get you and your kids in as best position as you can. That's great. Yeah. I love that. The books are the start, the tools, and they give us the ideas and the things to talk about to start the conversation. And maybe as adults reading the books, we can say in our minds, oh, I remember this happened or this was familiar to me. And there are some kids who like that precise information and want to know. For some of those, book even above their age level will have more specifics of what's going to happen or what's going on inside your body that can be like, oh, this is more information, but it's harder to explain the different levels. It's interesting being a parent, trying to find the right ways to explain things to your kids. It is. And you kind of bring up something that Amanda and I talked about, and I didn't get a chance to ask you about it. So if you don't have an answer for us quite yet, that's okay. We can, we can always talk about it later. But we were kind of talking about kind of if you have any idea of sort of the level that kids are ready for at different ages, you know, what you talk about with your forgetting how old Adric is. Is he three? He's five. <laughs> five. I was up. Way up. So I'm assuming you talk about different things with Adric than with than with Gabriel, you know, kind of that thing. Do you kind of have an idea for us of what you talk about at these different ages? I really went with what my kids are most interested in. I think I took their cues of what they were interested in, of what to teach. When my oldest wanted to know more about food and nutrition and what he was eating, I would dive more into the food guide pyramid. My second was only three or four at the time and didn't care as much. We would just talk about like a fruit and vegetable 
vegetable. Whereas my oldest wanted to know more of the every different food group and what it is and why and how it helps us. Also with so with body systems, really, I when we start looking at books, and then I kind of get their level of understanding and level of enjoyment and what they're interested in by a book. And I'm sure you've seen this with many books. So when we read our favorite my body book, and I'll turn the pages and sometimes I want to skip ahead, but then my oldest will say, no, read this to me. This is so interesting. And so I'll be able to say, okay, this is something that we can expound upon and go into. Um, and then my second oldest, maybe will just kind of look at some pictures or be more willing to skip a few pages. So I can tell he's not quite ready for the full description of what's going on, but just knowing the younger things first. Does that kind of help? I think it does. And I, I liked your point about different kids are going to have different interests. And so that's going to also dictate what level they're ready to understand because it's something that they're interested in. Something that I've learned with my kids is just because they're not ready, like you kind of keep trying. And if they are, if they're receptive, then you kind of dig deeper. And if they're not receptive, then you, you wait and you can always try again. Yeah. And don't get discouraged if it doesn't work or they're not interested, but always try again another time. So I have been trying to teach my kids about germs and <laughs> why it's important to do things like wash their hands, cover their mouth when they cough, throw away the dishes when they're done, or don't lick the displays at Ikea, you know, all these things that they do that I cringe on the inside and sometimes the outside. But it wasn't until this year that I actually started using books. I don't know what took me so long. I have books about everything else. I don't know why it took me so long. But this year it just clicked and we have read so many books about microbes and germs. It is just hilarious to me in the past few weeks how many we've read. And so now that I know how effective they are, I need more of them. Now is my favorite question. So I'm going to ask you, what are some of the books that you have used and loved with your kids to teach about these things? Oh, we have a few. I've gotten some from the library that have been okay, but the ones that I've purchased are actually from the, they're published by Usborne. So I know that's kind of a random company and not everyone has access to that. I have seen some used books from Usborne on eBay and Amazon that I think are great. So, and I like that they have different levels. So our very favorite one is What Are Germs? A Lift the Flap book. And so it's even my one-year-old likes to lift the flaps of it and it teaches things about tissues and throwing them away, hand washing. It's the one that has immunization and medication in picture form, teaching each other things. It's just our favorite for the basics, basics that the young kids can enjoy. Usborne has two more different body books. So if that's the youngest level, I think it's just my body. And then a little bit higher one, I don't think we have that one yet. Just to expound more and have, they just have good pictures, I think, and the way they explain things. That's probably my favorite thing. And then my favorite one, we actually got the Usborne Science Encyclopedia for my oldest who really likes science. And half of it is biology. And it's a great one for adults or anyone to have as a reference book. So if my oldest is asking questions, I can use this encyclopedia and show him like, here, we'll look it up. We'll use the table of contents. Look it up. Here's a page about it with pictures and short descriptions and short paragraphs if you really want to delve into deep on different topics. So that's been our favorite, knowing that there is a good science encyclopedia. I'm sure there's several out there, but we were lucky to have one that we really like. Those sound awesome. A few more I was looking at. I'm sure we've all seen the pigeon books by Mo Willems. And I think my favorite one is Pigeon Needs a Bath. Have you read that one? I have not actually read that one yet. I can't believe I missed it. It came up um, on my search of ideas and I read it a while ago and I remember that was my favorite pigeon book. So just even basics like that of staying clean and getting, just kidding a bath, even when we don't want one. That's something that kids can relate to, saying no <laughs> a lot. I remember my mom using these old books, the Stand in Tall series by Janine Brady. Did either of you guys use those growing up? I didn't. I Man, I'm missing out all over the place. I remember the one on the cleanliness and singing about bubble toes and brushing 
brushing your teeth. And I still sing those songs to my kids that I learned from the books on tape 20 years ago. Yes. That is awesome. And now I'm going to have to search for them and see if they are still around. I wanted to mention the last thing with books and in general, one thing with teaching my kids about health is teaching them about mindfulness and their emotions, just to be aware of feelings and emotions. We know that's coming out a lot in the media and different things these days. And even in preschool curriculum, I'm seeing different ways to teach and identify emotions. And I think that plays into our bodies and know what's going on, especially if we are fearful of a visit or a doctor's visit to be able to explain, I have anxiety or I'm scared of something to be able to identify those emotions. There's a few different books about emotions and feelings. I think some of my favorites are the Little Little Monkey Calms Down by Michael Dahl. He has a, quite a few in the series about little characters learning how to do preschool size things, but different ways for kids to help them figure out what's going on inside their mind and inside their feelings so that they can communicate that to us a little bit better. Thank you so much for all of those wonderful suggestions. Amanda, is there anything that you would like to ask? Again, Colleen, we just keep springing things on you. We didn't ask you about this prior. I love, love, love great picture books for teaching these concepts because that's where we're at in our family. I'm wondering if there are any books that you could recommend that can help give some great understanding or foundations for either the teenagers in our lives or the adults. You know, us, if we are having difficulties understanding a difficult concept, I'm just wondering if you have any suggestions for books for older people, older meaning out of picture book age. The Esporna Encyclopedia has been our favorite for adults to look back and refer to to make information. I actually have one textbook from my nursing school days. I finally threw away all of my textbooks at our last move because everything's online now, but I saved one textbook that has some good pictures in it and one some pictures and explanations, more of a dictionary textbook that I've saved. I'm trying to think of off the top of my head if I know of any stories or kids being sick. I don't know if she's still writing books, but one of my sisters and I we read every book that Lurleen McDaniel wrote. All of her stories were about kids or teenagers who were sick. It was all different types of illnesses, but all of them involved somebody who was sick. I think I remember reading a few of those growing up, yes. Yeah. I don't know what it was. We just got in this, like, you know, you start reading one book from an author that you enjoy and you read all of them. And, and she wrote a lot of books, though. So if her books are still around, those are those are good ones. If you need a book about someone who's sick. The two that are come to mind. Have you guys read The Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants? I have, yes. Just the first book, somebody has cancer. I think she dies. But that was yes. poignant to me. And to me, that was my favorite part of the book. There were lots of other things going on with their families. But even that part, I thought they touched on it really well. I remember that as well. I agree that is a it was a well-written part of the story. I'm thinking of after Jill started talking, Jill actually got me on to a Mary Roach fandom path. And so Mary Roach has a couple books that are about the body as well. Stiff, The Curious Life of a Cadaver, and then is it Gulp? Gulp. I think it's Gulp, yeah. Yeah. So those are those are interesting and talk about how the body works. That's right. I've read those, but Stiff has been recommended to me several times. It's on my to-read list. Yes. <laughs> 
It's a good one. It's definitely- well, speaking of books to read, Colleen, are you or any of your kids reading anything that you guys are really excited and loving right now that you can share with us? It doesn't have to be about sickness or, or body. <laughs> I just read The Rent Collector by Cameron Wright. That was very touching. I thought, well done. I have read several, I don't know how my family got into this. I've read a few different books about Cambodia and the Cameroons, but The Rent Collector touches on what happened, kind of the aftermath of that rough time in the country and has some good human spirit triumphing good over evil about people that live in a garbage dump. So that was fascinating. And my boys are just reading Harry Potter. So we are reading Harry Potter out loud to them. We're almost done with the second book. And that is just such a fun time for us to remember what Harry Potter was like when I first read it and how fun it is to see it through their eyes for the first time and explaining Quidditch to someone who's never heard of it before. Just, just the little things has been really fun to take a book that I've loved for a long time and finally have my children feel it and gain a love for it as well. I'm really excited for my kids to get to Harry Potter age as well. It is, it's going to be fun when they do. Well, Colleen, um, before we wrap up, I've got one more question for you. Is there anywhere we can go to kind of find out more about this or any resources or sites that you have to recommend to people? When I have parents and friends ask me for kids resources and stuff, there is one, one great website that I often go to is kidshealth.org and it just has information for parents or kids so you can go to the parent section to read about things or the kids or teen section to have it be age appropriate to explain things of what's going on or I liked if you're really looking for research information Google Scholar does a fairly good job or up to date is available in some places that gives just medical diagnoses and medical research it's just more updated recently to help parents really know what's going on and have the most recent and current information. Those are all wonderful and you have given us so so much to help and I am very excited for everybody to hear this and start having these now going to be much more beneficial and helpful conversations with our kids um, and experience those. So thank you so much for taking the time to come talk with us, Colleen. Thank you for having me. It's definitely a passion of mine and I'm excited to help other people be able to keep their families healthy too. We rushed to do this timely interview, and I'm so glad. The body and our health are both such dense topics that are hard for adults to wrap our heads around, let alone kids and teenagers. There's an undercurrent of consequences with everything health-related in my mind, so learning things as early as possible makes sense to me. And if you learn while you're young to wash your hands, you'll get sick less often. If you learn the names of body parts early on, you can describe symptoms better and are better prepared for sexual health topics. Anyway, what we do to and with our bodies has repercussions that aren't always immediately obvious, especially to little kids or to teenagers who don't have the frontal lobe fully developed. Exactly. And like I mentioned in the interview, this winter was actually the first time that I started looking into books that put the concept of getting sick on my kids' level. I don't know what took me so long to think of it because I use books for everything else, but it was, sadly enough. So I'm sure that there are plenty of books out there that I haven't discovered yet, but Of the ones that we found and read this year, my kids keep coming back to two books in particular. So the first one was a hit for me just because of its name. It's called Don't Lick This Book. And I was talking to the kids about it when we were at the grocery store a couple weeks ago. And there was a guy in the aisle restocking the shelves and he busted up laughing once I said the name of this book. And he said, I need to get that for my two-year-old. And we had this solitary parenting (laughs) moment right there in the aisle of the grocery store. Because how many times have we said pretty much 
much that exact same thing to your kids. Don't lick the whatever, anything that they just cannot help themselves. So I love it because of that. My kids love it because it has these little cartoon microbes that make them laugh. They have little personalities. Um, They have these super zoomed in microscopic photographs that give them an idea of what things look like really, really closely up. And that really appeals to my nonfiction loving child. And then the funny cartoons appeal to my story loving girls. So this one doesn't really get into how microbes make you sick or anything like that. It's just really what are microbes and where can we find them? So it's a great one to pair with another book about germs or viruses, since all germs and viruses are both microbes. So that kind of gives them the basic information before we dive in. So the other book we loved was a Magic School Bus chapter book called The Giant Germ. I love Magic School Bus and I really fondly remember it from when I was a kid. So I was really, really excited that my kids loved this one. So it talks about germs, yeah, like the title says, but also it the start of the book is all about fungi, actually. The school bus shrinks down and goes into a moldy sandwich and they explore this fungi jungle. It's really cool. But because it's the magic school bus and Miss Frizzle is involved, the story is fun and exciting, which is not something you think about when you're usually talking about germs. It was a great one to read along with Don't Lick This Book because it took the super basic concepts about microbes from the picture book and it digs a little deeper and it actually does get into what microbes make you sick, which ones and and how that works. And so it kind of gives the kids a visual picture of that side of microbes. Yeah, it's awesome. Magic School Bus is so good at this stuff. And I love that you can also watch the shows. So you can read the books, you can pause, stop, talk about it. And then you can also watch the show. Oh, man, so good. So good. So I have a story when you were talking about don't lick this book. (laughs) I constantly tell my children when we're in the store that we look with our eyes, we don't look with our hands. Well, there was a phase in my now three-year-old's life that she was putting everything in the store in her mouth. And so one time, rather loudly, <laughs> we were kind of far apart. So I had to say rather loudly, we look with our eyes, not with our tongues. And <laughs> I, there were a couple of people <laughs> who kind of turned in the scene. And, but it's true. They, they just, they look everything and they, and they put everything in their mouths. Oh, and they just don't understand it. I don't know how many conversations I've recently had about not eating boogers with my child. Like I don't. Uh, anyway, so I have also been new onto the bandwagon as far as using books to teach this concept. And I ordered a few and they're on their way. It takes a little bit longer, but I am super excited about Do Not Let This Book. And also for the book that Colleen talks about, uh, the us born germs lift the flap book i'm super excited about that it comes up pretty consistently on every book list that we've been looking at and it seems to be a really really solid one so recently i was kind of slapped in the face with everything going on my daughter who's five right now had a completely different understanding of germs than I thought she did. And I thought she sort of kind of understood what germs are because we'd have these conversations about, you know, germs (laughs) and how bodies get sick and stuff. But she told her sister a few weeks ago that germs are like food and there's good food and bad food and you only put bad food in your mouth sometimes or I don't even know, but it was off. (laughs) 
<laughs> so then I went over to her to help sort it out. And I was thinking, wait, if she doesn't understand it with what I've already done, how am I supposed to define germs to a five and a three-year-old? And it's not easy. Like, this is hard. <laughs> no, these are really hard concepts for me to understand, let alone these kids. So I really appreciate the books that can break them down for us. It's so true. And then it made me think of Sydney Brinkerhoff's episode, episode four, The Development of Language, which I recommend you should go back and listen to if you haven't. And she walks us through how to know if your child truly understands the meaning of a word or concept. And I did not do that with germs, apparently. So when I was walking toward my daughters, I veered off course to grab Usborne's body book. We do have one that has like fold out pages. It's amazing. Anything Usborne is just awesome, right? And our children's encyclopedia, I thought, oh, surely there is something in this about germs or sickness or whatever. So opened up the encyclopedia, totally let me down. Had nothing about germs or really anything helpful, but we now know how to make a box guitar. So there is that. There is that. But luckily, I had the Usborne books and having that script made such a huge difference. And I was able to go through the different verbal operants that Sydney taught us about. My daughters both truly understand now what germs are and I know that they do. So it's really, I mean, we talk a little bit in the episode about knowing when your child is ready to talk about certain things. I think it's also equally important that you know if your child understands what you've already talked about. I feel like Sydney's episode can be super helpful with that. I definitely agree. And I also think think that all of this goes nicely with what Colleen was saying about how we as parents can very often set the tone for how our kids feel about things like getting sick or doctor's visits. And I will be honest, I do not like doctor or dentist visits myself. I haven't for a long time. So when I talk them up to my kids, I'm totally faking it. Like I, I don't feel it inside. I just want them to feel it inside. <laughs> and so I put a positive spin on it and I try and be peppy. But especially recently, I have noticed that the more I try and talk about these things positively with the kids and the more I normalize it and put this good spin on it for them, the more I actually am feeling that way myself. And so I feel like this is one instance where faking it till you make it might actually work. You know, even if you have to dig and struggle to find a way to talk about these things calmly and positively, I think the struggle is going to be very much worth it for your kids, but also for you, because I think you really will start to change how you feel about these things the more you talk about it that way with your kids. Definitely. And there are some great resources there. I can also wholeheartedly vouch for Daniel visits the doctor for young kids. And again, there's the accompanying episode for it. So lots of good things. But the underlying message of Daniel Visits the Doctor, I think, is just great that you talk about it. When you do something new, let's sit down and let's talk about it. That's all that that episode is focused around. Books can be such a good way to intentionally build that into your mindset so that you're preparing your kids and you're preparing yourself to also, you know, if you know what questions they have and what they're going to be nervous about, then it's better for your preparation as well. Well, sadly, our family is still several weeks away from hopefully receiving a couple of the books we're recommending to you, but I know they're going to be incredibly helpful when they arrive, and I'm very excited. Go to our site, check out the show notes for lots of great recommendations. Be checking our Instagram account throughout this week as we share some great mini science experiments about germs and viruses. We hope you're reading and loving it. Talk to you again next week. 